Hi, this is Ty France, and you're listening to the Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and in front of me is Roy. Hello, everybody. Okay, before we get going, just want to give a shout out. Happy birthday to Kyle Overstreet. Hey, happy birthday, Kyle. Uh, he's playing first, and... <laughs> He's batting in the seven hole of the game that is playing right now on the computer. Yeah, yeah. So we'll let's jump right on ahead to that. So three teams in the Padres organization have made the playoffs. Yeah, the Lake Elsinore Storm, the Amarillo Sod Poodles, and the Tri City Dust Devils. Absolutely. Uh, the Tri City Dust Devils—they won the wild card spot. So I guess in short season, there's a wild card spot. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, they were thirty-eight and thirty-eight. Had a short season best uh, best three with Spokane. Indians today, which are the Texas Rangers short season team. They're the Spokane Indians, but they're the Rangers affiliate. Right. Isn't that weird? Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's a history behind the name attached to the region. Yeah. And that's the thing is with minor league baseball, unless the major league team owns them, they're not named. Like they're not named the Spokane Indians mm-hmm. unless the major league team owns them. Uh, and that name stays the same unless the owners change the name. It's minor league baseball. So they change the names at a will, at a whim, but. Yeah, it's, I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, some of the names go back a long ways based on regional history. Yeah. Like the Birmingham Barons, I think that name comes from an old Negro League team back in the day. Yeah. But like the the Padres were the Padres, like the Walla Walla Padres, the Las, I mean, they were Las Vegas stars, but the Tucson Padres. Yeah, it's kind of boring when you've got when you've got that. You know, and the Portland Beavers, I'm sure Eric would love to have the Padres AAA team be the Portland Beavers. Now, he... I, I lived in Portland when the Beavers were there, and that was a lot of fun. It's a great ballpark in downtown Portland. Yeah, so uh, real quick with that. The ballpark, was it underground? It was below ground, right? Is it's it... below ground level. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, they, they dug down to put the to establish the level of the field. But the ballpark's been there since like 1925. Okay. It, or I should say the stadium has been there. But now it's been permanently converted to soccer. So the way that they've got it set up, they couldn't even host a, a baseball game there. I mean, it'd be like it'd be like when the when the Dodgers first came out to L.A. and they played at the what was that the Coliseum? The Coliseum. And left field was like 220 feet, and they put that giant net up. Right, right. And it's kind of a joke if they were to try to. That, that's what it would be like if they tried to do that right now. Almost a little like the London series, where like they tried to make a baseball field out of a soccer pitch. And it was like, whoa, whoa, it's look, it's a high school field. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. Either that or you're going to make it like the polo grounds where center field is 600 feet and you got 150 feet to over both corners. <laughs> so anyway, um, so Tri-Cities is playing uh, in the um, rookie, well, the short season single A. Northwest League. Northwest League. Uh, you've got Lake Elsinore. They're playing against the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Yep. And the way that their playoff format worked, it, it's supposed to be the first half winner versus the second half winner, but Rancho Cucamonga won both halves. And so then the Storm were in a chase with Lancaster to get the best, the second best overall record for the season. And they played Lancaster four games in a row at the end of the season. They clinched in the first of those four games. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations to uh, Lake Elsinore. And we don't want to talk about where the Quakes come from. Oh, I, it doesn't. No, that's that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Uh, so they well, the storm ended the season seventy three and sixty five. So I thought that was really nice. And Garrett Richards started in that game, which is just a great thing about. And we're going to go into this and guys in here in a minute. Like with the minor league playoffs, you can have whoever you want. 
I mean, you could bring down major leaguers like, yeah, he's, he's rehabbing. Well, there's uh, still developmental games. Absolutely. Jacob Nix is starting tomorrow for the Sod Poodles. Really? Yep. Good for him. I mean, so and so moving on, you know, Tukapita is in the lineup tonight playing uh, hitting DH for the Lake Snow Storm. Yeah, I didn't even see that on the transaction logs today, so that's I, brand new. Hot off the presses. I, I wasn't at work, and I wasn't on Twitter, but I saw it on Twitter, and I was at work. <laughs> it's all right i won't tell your boss all right <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't listen or even go in there anyway so mad Friars tweeted earlier that Ephraim Contreras took a peter marcano and henry henry have all joined the storm cal league and uh cal league playoffs sorry michael Cantu, nick kuja rejoined them as well and alan cordoba you know we're at the game on sunday and we'll go about that a little bit later on he ran into jason rosario jason rosario and i thought it was a head injury but he tweaked his wrist yeah yeah, we saw him after the game. He seemed like he was okay. He was fine. Yeah. So it's probably just a precautionary thing to pull him out. But it's interesting that so the El Paso Chihuahuas and the Fort Wayne Tin Caps did not make the postseason. So it's like they're divvying those teams up to yeah. try to find find spots for him. So the guys on the 40-man roster, most of them are going up to the Padres. And then you got some guys going from El Paso to Amarillo, Amarillo and, and some Amar- guys from Fort Wayne coming up to coming up to Lake Elsinore, some guys going down to Tri-City. Yeah. That it's kind of fun that you see these different matchups this this season. Right. Anything to get guys reps, anything to get guys um in a high leverage game as mm-hmm. a playoff can be, even in short season, it's it's still playoffs. You still yep. you know, it's a heightened sense of uh a play. Yeah, because instructs aren't starting for a little while. No. And you've got the Arizona Fall League that still has yet, you know, it's gonna is what, another couple of weeks, I think, till it starts yeah. up. So then Amarillo, um, who's Amarillo playing? So they were the first half champs and finished in their inaugural season, dude. 72 and 66. Ah! Great for them. And are currently playing Midland in the best of five series with Lake Bacher on the hill. And in preparation, the following players have transferred to Amarillo. Bacher strong. Bacher strong. Absolutely. Hashtag. Uh, Taylor Callaway, Evan Miller, Travis Radke, Emmanuel Ramirez, Peter Van Gansen, Elliot Ashbeck came up from Lake Elsinore. All those other guys came from El Paso. So it's like, all right, dude, you're going to keep playing. And then El Paso finished 80 and 60 and, and missed the playoffs. Dude, it missed the playoffs. 20 games above 500. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I would die for an 80-60 season. Well, I mean, what you what do you tell those guys? Hey, great job. You're going home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of El Paso, the current major leaguer, Ty France, was named 2019 PCL MVP. He was also the AAA All-Star MVP, All-PCL League Selection, Rookie of the year, and before you come back at me with like, but Carlos Swahe was the rookie of the year, two totally different ball players. Now I'm not saying Ty France is going to go up there and hit 380 and and crush it in in Major League Baseball. There's a large gap, and I think again we've talked about this all season that the game is changing in the minor leagues because of the baseball. I think that now evaluation from AAA to the major leagues is going to be totally shot. Like, sure, you can look at strikeouts and, and walks, but, like, hitting the ball down there, hitting the ball up here, two different things. And um, it's just really cool to get him all the accolades. It's really cool to get, you know, for him to have some hardware to go with a freaking phenomenal, phenomenal season. Yeah, he's going to have to build a new bookshelf in his uh, in his, in his his home. You know, and, and it doesn't, none of that would, I'm sure he said, that's great to have. It's what I can contribute to the Major League team, uh, which we'll see what happens going, moving forward. Um you know, we're, we're for, you know, I was listening to the 5.5 and I'll just go there on the way over here. So, you know, they were, you know, they were, they were standing for Luis Urias. Who wouldn't, 
all the numbers say that he's going to do what he's supposed to do up here in the major leagues. Hasn't translated yet. And, you know, 200 at-bats, that's fine. There's been a lot of talk about, a lot of discussion about, you know, what's wrong? Is he following coaching? Is, you know, is what AC true? Or, you know, like, what's going to happen? But I think what's going to happen is whoever hits, plays. Mm-hmm. And my question, real quick to the 5.5 guys, and I'll just, we have to get on, is it's okay to have a hard-hitting uh, backstop, you know, that is really not that great of a defender, that can improve, uh, and then not have a hard-hitting you know, second baseman that isn't the greatest defender. So it's like apples to apples to oranges, I'm sure with positions, but. Well, I I guess you, you can offset a a weak glove with a strong glove somewhere else. You can offset a weak bat with a strong bat somewhere else. As long as that player is bringing enough of the other side to make up for the value. Right. Right. But you look at, I mean, Luis Urias should have the tools to be a very good major league player. He just needs to find it. Ty France looks like he has the tools to be a very good hitting major league player and an okay defender. I don't know if second base is a real home for him, but you know, maybe as, as a sub, right? I, I don't know. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, but I mean, these, they're still kids. Yeah. They, you know, we don't know what Luis Arias is going to look at, look like at age 25, 26. No, not, not at all. And I, I, I saw a tweet today that had some comparisons and I can't remember, but there were two like, Incredibly good major leaguers. Did you see this tweet? I think it was DJ LeMahieu. And somebody compared DJ LeMahieu and Luis Urias, their first like 67 games in the major leagues. And the stats were just about the same. I was thinking of the it was age. It was like Luis Urias is 20 years old. Well, I'm 20 years old. Um, you know, this second baseman, like Omar Vizcal, was on like double A. Oh, yeah. yeah, uh, this, yeah. Other, this other excellent, you know, almost not Hall of Famer, but really above average major leaguer was in like high A at 20. Yep. So we have this kid already up in the major leagues and we're asking him to perform at that level. It's going to take some time. Oh, I, yeah. I am all for I, Luis Urias is my second baseman as it stands right now. Uh, but I just think the team is going to go with who well, hits. And it's not just the physical tools and the, the mental ability. It's the maturity. It's yeah. the emotional side of it too. Yeah. And it's, it's a big think. Imagine going from, you're playing in El Paso, and most of the games, they probably get maybe 5,000 people at the most. It's probably like two, 3,000 most games. And then you're playing in Dodger Stadium that's full of 45,000 fans that are all, you know, screaming to hate your guts and all this. It's the show. Yeah, it's it's such a big change. And yeah. all this pressure that comes on you, and you look next to you, and there's Manny Machado, you know, future Hall of Fame probably. Right. I mean, it all piles up. I, I can imagine how somebody can get overwhelmed if the game gets real quick. Ball comes to you and it's, I got to get this out of my hand as quick as I can. Right. And you're not making accurate throws now because you're right. rushing right. rather than taking the beat and you, you know, feeling the speed of the game. I think he's going to be okay. He just needs time. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, are they going to give him time? Absolutely. And that's going to be where, that's what's going to happen there. So those guys have some new teammates now. They do. So moving on, nice segue. Yeah. It's September and the rosters have expanded like a balloon. Uh, for the last year, so I think next year, uh, there's going to be the 25 man is going to be 26 man, and yes. I think they're only going up to 28. That's correct. So that's kind of huge. That's that's going to be a big change. Yeah, I saw a picture today. The Red Sox are carrying 17 relievers. Oh my god! <laughs> there's a picture of all these guys piling into the Red Sox bullpen. But yeah, you can have up to 40 players on your active roster now if if that's what the team wants to do. But next year it's going to be 28. Um, during the regular season with 26 man roster, it's 
capped at 13 pitchers. Right. So they're not allowing extra pitchers because a lot of teams are already carrying a 13-man staff. That forces them that extra player is going to be a, a bench player, a bat, a position player. Okay. Uh, but I don't know what that means once the rosters expand, if they're going to slide that 13-pitcher max up, if they're going to limit that. I, I, I haven't seen that anywhere. Interesting. But, but yeah, that's a big change from 40. That is a big but, change. But I mean, you think about it. You've got one side has like 30 players on their roster, and then the other side has 35. And you go into an extra innings game, or they're swapping out matchups and all this. It really makes the game grind to a halt. And you also have some effects that wouldn't normally be there. And these games mean a lot. So you got a team like the Padres that they're not playing for anything other than pride right now. Right. But if they want to start lining up all these relievers and trying all these guys out, and then you've got somebody that's in the hunt, like, I don't know, St. Louis, that is in a, they're fighting for a playoff spot. And, but they, maybe they only have 26, 27 guys. There's a weird disadvantage there. Right. Absolutely. And then also you have, you you bring guys up to evaluate. Well, how how hard do you how how can you evaluate someone that's you know seeing a, a, a like a starter come up from AAA? You know that they're trying to get a look at. And so that's how true. can you you know that's the whole like the the talent pool kind of thins out in September. Mm-hmm. So like oh someone hit really well. Well Hosmer hit you know four hundred or whatever. Well it's because he was seeing AAA pitching well, the rest of the way. When Hunter Renfro first came up, he had he came up for a September and yeah. he went bananas. Nanners. But what kind of pitching was he facing? I don't know. It's kind of like spring training where the guy's always coming in fifth, sixth inning facing the minor league pitching. Right. Well, <laughs> it's not quite fair to compare those stats. It's not. So but, the Padres have brought up Javier Guerra. Thank you. David Bednar, Ronald Bolaños, and Seth Mejias Breen. We've now seen three of those four guys. Yeah. Javier Guerra came in. He's former shortstop. Now he's a pitcher throwing high 90s. He's got a slider. But he grooved a couple pitches, and it just got ugly against three. The, I think three is a few. Yeah, three is a few pitches. It was it was at least a few. But it's you're brand new to pitching. He's been pitching for what Dude. three four months, right? <laughs> and we saw in last night's game those guys will hit ninety nine. Oh those yeah, those guys will hit ninety eight down the down the down the middle. Yeah, in double A, he can go up there and pump it by guys. Yeah, and so maybe this is a little bit of a reality check for him. And I love it. I, I love it when these guys come up and struggle. I'm sure we want... I, do I want to see him come up and just kill it? Yeah. But if he comes up and kill it, he's not going to change anything. And baseball, Major League Baseball, is all about making adjustments. Mm-hmm. So if he needs to learn how... You know, Bolanos last night had a tough first inning. And I know we're totally talking about the Major League team. We have tons of minor league stuff to talk about. But then again, he started grooving those 98, 99, and they were hitting it. Yep. It wasn't until he kind of changed his approach that he started getting a little bit better results and ended up pitching a pretty damn good game. When I saw an interesting moment, it was right after that first half inning and he was sitting on the bench and I think it was Balsley went and like to check in on him. I saw that. And and you see Bolaños with this very calm look on his face looking. He goes, yeah, I'm okay. I mean, it was, it, I don't know exactly what he said, but it was that kind of a thing like, yeah, no, I'm all right. Well, and you saw Balsley's arm go like, just erase it. Like, don't worry about it. Like, yep. get rid of it. Yep. And he did. And he did. He went back out and pitched, what, four more scoreless innings. Absolutely. Great Absolutely. job. So David Bednar's and, come up and he's got yeah. an inning and third. I haven't seen him yet. It's not bad. He, you know, he's only got an inning and third, one base on ball, one strikeout. It's just very incredible. It's a microscopic um, uh, sample size, but he's got the velocity. He's got the repertoire to maybe show something in the bullpen. Oh, yeah. I, I really think that. You know, we know what we got in Munoz. We know what we got in Yates. Uh, you know, we know Stam is like, God, well, again, we're talking about the major league team. We need bullpen help. And I think he could help us down the road. Oh, I think he could help right away. 
I mean, he's been doing so well in double A. Yeah. He's got, he seems to have the command. He's got the stuff. Um, and he's a mature dude. He's what, 24, 25 yeah. now. Um, and then Seth Mejia Spreen. So let's not ignore him. He's the third base shortstop, kind of utility player, but he's been hitting great all year. He came to the Padres as a, uh, a minor league free agent. He's kind of bounced around a couple of organizations, uh, but now he's got a now he's got a chance to. This is his first chance in the major leagues. Right. I don't think he has an at bat yet, but you know you got to be happy for these guys making their debut after all these years playing in the minors. Absolutely, and you know it's just to get a showing, and you get a couple of paychecks. You know you get a paycheck or two, and you pay off some credit card debt. <laughs> And then you can say, I was one of the 20,000 people that played Major League Baseball. Absolutely. And then if you show well enough, maybe you stick around. Yeah, absolutely. Get invited, you know, maybe you get, sign another minor league deal and invite to spring training and, you know, be more of that. You know, the Padres love having that competition in spring training and during the year. So more competition, better players. But let's move on because Dewanye Williams Sutton was hit twice. Day before yesterday, today is what, Wednesday. I think he was hit twice on Monday. He broke the minor league record. So the minor league record was 31. He now has 32 hit by pitches. And that was the last game. I'm sorry, it was Monday. He's right. It was the last game of the year. Hit twice, dude, 32 times. He's That's insane. I had to look this up. So in 2016, Ty France was hit by a pitch 28 times. <laughs> and we were like, oh, my God, he's Craig Biggio. Yeah. Well, Duane Williams is a little bit larger than Craig Biggio, probably about six inches taller. He's a big guy, and he stands right on top of the plate. Uh, but yeah, he just he, he he got hit by a pitch that three times in that one game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the catcher's like, "Dude, we're not not. We're sorry, we're not doing it on purpose." <laughs> yeah, but I, it, it's a skill. There's got to be a skill to it. To I mean, Anthony Rizzo gets hit by pitches all the time. Yeah, he, that guy steps on the plate. Yeah. Like, but Absolutely. That's, that's his on-base percentage is way up there, and yeah. that helps. Yeah. Every every little bit helps. And the, the Padres, they don't look at batting average and walk rate specifically. They're looking at on-base percentage and other things like that. So hmm. getting hit by a pitch is just as good as drawing a walk. It's yeah. just as good as a single in, yeah. in a certain way. Absolutely. <sighs> but let's get going. We got to get this uh, We gotta get this going. Ben Davies from Mad Friars uh, interviewed Luis Camposano. And this just came out yesterday, and it was a fantastic interview. Uh, so here it is. When the Padres drafted Luis Camposano in the second round two years ago, they had high hopes that he would bolster an already strong farm system. The Georgia native blew past even the rosiest of projections. He's posted a 325, 396, and 512 line to win the batting title and good for the second base, uh, second best OPS on the circuit. His Woba jumped from a respectable 106 last year to 148 as he walked more, struck out even less in his already impressive 15.1% rate in 2018, and hit for more power. Everything we wanted from him totally blew it out of the water. Yeah, nobody expected this. Nobody. Uh, Mad Friars, what has made this year much better than 2018 for you, Luis? It started with an approach that I had coming into the year. I really wanted to continue to improve on my catching while also being more consistent with my hitting. I've never been a real big stats guy and have never done anything to be able to point to stats. It's always been more of a process to continue to develop my skills. So far, it's worked pretty well. Yeah, there's a good point in there is that you can't focus on stats. You can't focus on results. Yeah. You have no control over the results. You have all the control over the process. Yeah. 
So are you preparing right? Are you are your mechanics right? Are you getting yourself in the right position? Are you in the right mindset going into each at bat, into each pitch? That Those are the things you can control. So looking back at what your batting average is, I mean, you can't step up there going, oh, I'm hitting 298. If I get a hit this at bat, then I'll be up over 300. The, then that hit's not going to come. Right, right. And you need to get guys over. There's situational hitting. Uh, absolutely. I love – and here's another thing, guys, is minor leagues, this stuff – they're, they're still progressing. And we're going to talk about it here in a minute with Luis, uh, uh, sorry, with Gabriel Arias. Second half of the season just tore it up. Now, we don't know if it's taken them all season to get those adjustments into into execution or what. But it's it, it's developing. These guys are still developing. And they're still years away. But it's, it's great to see and hear that from them. Uh, what have you worked on in particular this year, Luis? I don't think I can ever be perfect at receiving. So that is always a big thing to improve on. Receiving is always first, and you do that more than anything else. Throwing out runners and blocking balls in the dirt is also something to improve on, but it it all starts with receiving. Speaking of home runs, you've had a drastic increase in power this year, almost doubling your power output. What's helped you get uh, to that power more consistently? One of the biggest things for me is my position to hit. Last year, I was in a position where I couldn't get a lot of lopped in my swing. I made a lot of contact. I've always been a high-contact hitter. This year, I've put myself in a better position where I can drive the ball more, not necessarily lifting the ball more, but driving it and letting the ball take care of itself. Love that. With the season wrapping up, anything you're hoping to accomplish? Finish the season strong and stay healthy. Last year, my season was cut short. A concussion knocked him out after the July 28th. Uh, and I know injuries are a part of the game, but I'm glad to play a full season and go into the offseason strong. On top of going to the AFL. Yeah, yeah. So they gave him an extended break toward the end of the season. Yeah. He hasn't caught for about a week. Right. He's been DHing a little bit, pinch hitting a little bit. But you've been seeing a lot of Jalen Washington, Allison Quintero, uh, Michael Cantu's backup. So he'll probably yeah. get a little bit of catching duties today and tomorrow. Yeah while Luis comes off the bench or DHs or whatever. It's a lot of work. It's a ton of work. And now he's about to go off to the AFL where he's going to do it for another, what, three weeks, I think, is their, their schedule? Yeah. And, and once again, at an elevated level of play. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they're, they're training all day and then going out and playing a game. Absolutely. This isn't like, you know, roll into the park at, at two and hang out and have some spread and stretch out and go play a game. Right. And play some chump team, you know, with a bad pitcher. And you're, you're seeing... Close to major league ready ball players. Oh yeah, and they're doing drills all morning. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the uh, let's get into the affiliate rundown. So this is going to be the last full season affiliate rundown. Yeah, it kind of makes me sad. We're going to have to figure out what to talk about after I, this. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys will listen, would that be great? Uh, so for the single Friday, Jacob Nix turned in a solid outing as he continued to make his way back to the big leagues. Nix allowed just one earned run on four hits and six innings of work. The righty struck out six without allowing a walk. In two outings with El Paso, Nick has allowed just one run in 12 innings while walking just one batter. Now, I don't know if you mentioned this. I think you mentioned this earlier, but Nick's has gone to Amarillo. So he's going to be, uh, did you say he's starting he's tomorrow's starting game? tomorrow's game. Yeah. All right. Good for him. All right. So for the double, Sunday, Travis Radke and Evan Miller worked 4.1 innings of scoreless relief. Radke's outing dropped his ERA in the offense-dominated PCL to 2.97 in 30.1 innings. Overall, the 26-year-old lefty has posted a 2.64 ERA across three levels this season as he got his first significant exposure in the upper minors. The organization has one more year of control of the 2014 draftee. That's Radke. Yeah, he's been one of my favorite guys to follow because he's he's a lefty. He doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he gets outs. 
and I've heard him in a couple of interviews, and he's a really you know bright guy talking about looking at how to attack hitters, what they do from one pitch. Even you learn from if they take a certain pitch, right? You adjust on how you're going to attack them later in the at bat. He was talking about I even watch guys on the on deck circle and how they're swinging their bat, right? Right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a that's like yeah. getting critical on approach and mm-hmm. seeing what they want to do and then counteracting that. I first keyed in on him with so the tin caps the broadcasters do their interview series and so they did a couple of interviews with him and that's what kind of perked my interest like hey this is an interesting guy yeah you know they kind of that kind of fell off the wayside as the season progressed they what the interviews they had the interviews and they turned into a little podcast and it's like the pregame show yeah yeah, they're, they're they're trying different things i loved that i loved it it's about four minute you know four three minute interview and uh the interviews john nolan does a great job there well, yeah, their whole yeah, media Mons, team. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Mike Moss and Evan, his name's off the top of my head. He's the younger one, right? He's yeah. The young, yeah. Yeah. But their whole media productions group does a fantastic job. I mean, you look at the quality of their broadcast and it's it's almost like you're watching a major league game with all the stats and information that they put up. Oh, absolutely. Versus like Las Vegas where you've got one camera and it's stationary and there's no... <laughs> I mean, I it's like a that. video game in the old Las Vegas. You know, you see the ball and you see these white guys run or, you know, the, like these guys run like on a video game. And then <laughs> yeah. that's it. Then they all kind of come back and little pixels moving around <laughs> like on the old Atari 2600. OK, the, on the triple uh, outfielder, Taylor Colway reached base three times with a pair of singles and a walk. He also drove in three of El Paso's four runs. The 25 year old outfielder, first baseman. He was an outfielder only at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, enjoyed the finest professional season of his career in 2019. Between Lake Elsinore, Amarillo, and El Paso, the Wisconsin-born Colway hit 302, 396, 424 in just over 300 plate appearances. The left-handed swinging Colway has a nice stroke at the plate and has held his own at first base, his first ever crack at the position at any level. So he's eligible for the Rule 5 draft this year. Uh, he was assigned to Amarillo, so he's now with the Sod Poodles for their little postseason run. Absolutely. Man, there's lots of decisions. And well, someone like someone like Taylor can he can get away with not being picked up. Like they don't not a flashy guy. Yeah, he doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have crazy power. He just he makes contact. He draws walks. He does a lot of things well. Yeah. And th- those aren't the guys that tend to get picked up in the rule five. It's usually somebody with a couple of of loud tools. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean he's Maybe he's kind of like uh, the Padres just picked up Nick Martini, and right. it's kind of a similar profile. Corner outfielder, gets on base a lot. He can hit. He hits righties well because he's a left-handed hitter, but there aren't any, you know, standout stuff. But who knows? He'll keep an eye to keep an, a guy to keep an eye on. Next year, maybe he'll make that next step. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to Amarillo, for the single, Taylor Trammell has had his best game since joining the Padres. He homeward and finished a triple shy of the cycle. Tramiel has started his to hit his stride over the last few weeks and is hitting 282 over the last 10 games. So I've been, yeah, I, I always like to check out Baseball Prospectus, Baseball America, fan graphs to see what articles they're putting out about minor league guys. Yeah. And Taylor Tramiel's last two weeks have put him on everybody's map. Um, so Baseball Prospectus put him in their minor league update for, for the games from August 30th through September 2nd. Uh, Baseball America picked him up on their prospect report, and they also listed him on their top MLB prospects hot sheet. Um, So the stats that they listed for the last week, he went 12 for 28, hitting 429, 529, 786, eight runs, two doubles, a triple, two home runs. 
uh, five RBIs, five walks, nine strikeouts. So he's just been hitting the cover off the ball all of a sudden for about a week. So the scoop, from a scouting perspective, the components are all in place for Trammell to be successful. There's quality bat speed, a short stroke from the left side, and a good eye for the strike zone. He's athletic, a plus-plus runner, and he flashes the raw power in batting practice to put balls into the second deck. Yet he also ends 2019 with an underwhelming 234, 340, 349 slash line. Trammell is still an exciting prospect, but 2020 will be a critical one for him to show his talents translate into performance now that he's in the upper levels. And he's 20, he'll be 22 next year, yeah? So he's still young. Yeah, he's still young. And it's funny that you say that they said it's going to be a critical year next year. We thought this year was going to be a critical year for Hudson Potts. Hudson's yeah. still 20. Yeah, yeah. And and I think over this last few weeks has also kind of put it together a little bit. But we say we say critical year, but it's not like if he doesn't show, he's done. Like, I feel like right. Michael Geddes needed to show something or else he might be out of the organization. And he did with the home runs. But once again, you have to you have to kind of like tailor that down to like triple A. He has a ton of strikeouts. Uh, the gloves still there, but the strikeouts are alarming. Yep. And the and the legs weren't really playing on the base pads either. He wasn't stealing a ton of bases. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. He but, also goes. He's also five rule five. Sorry. Rule five eligible. Yeah. He was last year. Yeah, okay. so, so he went unselected last year. Um, I believe this is his final year as uh, under the original contract with the Padres. After this year, I think he becomes a minor league free agent. I think we're going to dig into that in the, in the offseason if you guys are interested to listen to uh, to hear about it. I'm interested to learn about it. Like, you get signed, and we saw in the you know the definition of the Rule 5 is like if you're under 18, you have six years. If you're over 18, and usually those guys are pretty much the American guys mm-hmm. that are signing out of college or high school. Um, they get five years. Yeah, I so I read about that. I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit right. hole, but I I finally found the rule, the actual rule in the rule book for this because okay. it's not the regular rules of baseball. It's a separate rule book that Major League Baseball has, um, and so it it has to do with when they sign and then how many how many drafts have happened after that. Um, so it, I thought that with the international guys, sometimes they would send them, they would spend a year in a camp in the Dominican or in Venezuela or whatever that right. the team was running. And I thought that they would do that to protect them and get another year of control down the road. That's not the case. So the guys that are 19 and over, um, it's the fourth full year, the fourth year. So the guys that were drafted into, that were signed or drafted in 2016, age 19 or older, will be eligible for the Rule 5 draft this year. Interesting. So Michelle Baez and Ronald Bolaños were two of those guys. Jorge Onya is another one. So Jorge Onya is not on the 40-man. He probably won't be, but he just had a shoulder injury. He'll He's probably still get a, a very raw player with right. a lot of things that he needs to work out. Yeah. So he's not the kind of guy that they're going to pick up. But anyway, we can get into that as we get closer to the draft. But I would like to have an episode where we talk about kind of the mechanics and the the language that goes into a lot of this. Yeah, maybe we can reach out to someone. Maybe we can reach out to the Padres and have someone come on. And we can now. I'm just fantasy, but now I'm just fantasizing. Well, but that would be great to have. Hey, we want to talk about this. Or we could talk to somebody like Ben Badler or Jim, you know, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, those guys. Absolutely. Who knows? We'll reach out to some folks and see who picks up the phone. But moving on for the double Sunday, four of Amarillo's six hits on the night went for solo home runs as Hodgetown continues to play at an extreme home run park. The Sodpudos and their opponents combined for 93 homers in 70 games elsewhere in the Texas League. The club has 90 by themselves in 67 contests, and the pitching staff has allowed a mind-blowing 113. 
Yeah, you know, I saw that somebody did a, a a recalculation of the park factors, and Amarillo really is an extreme hitter's environment. Okay. It, it's one of the most extreme hitter's park. Now, he tried to factor out of it the, the, uh, the AAA baseball, because pretty much every park in the PCL rated I, higher. But once you kind of pull that, peel that layer back, it, compared to the league, um, Amarillo is an extreme hitter's park compared to the rest of the parks in the Texas League. Well, and I don't see it. And then, and you know, not to go back to the major league team again and like developing guys. How can we develop these guys where they're not where the the elevated numbers or the bloated numbers in the minor leagues are are telling a different story than with the actual ball players? Well, and if you're a ball player and you learn, I get the ball up in the air and it's going to leave the park. Yeah, you're going to start trying to get everything in the air. Yeah, and that's you know some of the talk about Luis Udias was like, why is he wanting to change anything when he's doing so well in AAA? Well, he's doing well in AAA because. You hit a pop fly and it's right. in the porch. Right. And to make that adjustment from, yeah. So I just, I, that's. But then the flip side of that is a pitcher. How does it, how does a pitcher learn to adjust in those kinds of situations? Yeah. Whether you could be, become an extreme ground baller because you know if it gets up in the air, it's out of the park. I, I, I don't know. And how, do, exactly. That's why a lot of guys are coming from double A and just totally skipping triple A. I mm-hmm. don't think Gore will see a minute in El Paso. I don't think Patino will see a minute in El Paso. I doubt it. Um, I mean, we've seen that this year. They brought Morajon, Baez, Bolaños. They all came right up from Double A. Right. So, is the evolution of minor league and God? Once again, we're, I'm going to go on a tangent here again. Is the evolution of that Triple A going to be just a, a place where they stash guys rehabbing? Are That's those, what know, I've seen. Quad four A yeah. guys that just I need a league here just to keep a couple of my guys kind of sharp. That's kind of what it is. That's the the holding tank for your depth, your major league depth. You know, and then your prospects come up and stall out at Double A. And then they bypass AAA altogether. That's the the interviews that I've read where they're talking about how the game is changing at the AAA level, and it's not just the PCL; it's the um, the it's not is it the Eastern League? It's well, the you, you have League. the yeah. International League. International League is the yeah. Both of them have had crazy spikes in home run numbers and runs per nine and all this stuff. And they also want the so they also want the ball to go into AA and eventually filter into all levels of. Minor league baseball. It only makes sense that you have the ball play the same at all the levels. Yeah. But there's a manufacturing challenge there too, because the facility in Costa Rica can only manufacture so many baseballs and they use so many balls in a game at the major league level. So they're running through balls left and right and they just can't produce enough baseballs for all the levels. But if they can get the quality control to match what's going on in China to match what's happening in Costa Rica, then maybe you'll be onto something. But I, I, I expect the major league. So major league baseball is saying we don't know what's going on with the ball. It's something's different, but I don't. I they know. They've got to know. Wound tighter. They, they own. They own. Uh, uh, Rawlings. Rawlings. They know what's going on. Absolutely. So I think next year we're going to see the major league ball soften up just a little bit, and the minor league ball might become a little bit livelier. So you've got a ball that plays about the same. <laughs> it was like the you know it's like the major league teams in the nineties. Everyone's huge. You guys are hitting broken bat home runs. We, we don't know. We, we don't notice how, you know, Bond's head's like <laughs> jumped up three sizes. We don't know. We we can't tell that. Yeah. Right. Just, right. Bringing people in. People love the long ball. They're selling tickets. They're yeah. Selling tickets. Uh, but moving on and finishing out Amarillo triple. For the triple, Monday, outfielder Taylor Benson, someone that we didn't talk to a lot about this year, collected three hits, including a second homer as a sod poodle. The 2017 31st rounder hasn't received steady playing time during his tenure in the Padres system, but he has raped since being promoted to Amarillo. For, we'll see. 
Benson 23 is 10 for 24 with a pair of homers and 11 games as a sod poodle. Benson also came, uh, saw time in Tri-Cities, Fort Wayne. Like He did all levels this year um, and posted a career-high 790 OPS and 153 plate appearances, which is also a career-high. Like we, we need to start uh, – what am I trying to say here? Kind of fast-tracking some of the guys that can play, some fast-tracking some of the guys that can't you – know, we're just – we're going to need to see – um, these players develop a little quicker. I think maybe I think that's what also what's going to happen with their with their organization. Well, it's being forced because you've got all this talent coming up, and yeah. you got to find a place for everybody. Yeah, and that rule five is coming up too, and so you need to see yep. who can play and who can't play. So what you were reading about Tyler Benson reminds me of what Matt Batten has done this year too. Yeah, he's kind of a utility player, bounced around, but then got up to El Paso and he became a consistent contributor to that team yep. after being kind of a journeyman the last couple of years. Yeah, and Van Gansen. Hmm. Moving on to Lake Elsinore, for the single rehabbing Francis Cordero triple, the newly promoted Adrian Martinez threw six strong innings, allowing just an earned run on six hits while striking out seven. In his Cal League debut, Martinez has pitched mostly out of the bullpen this season with Fort Wayne, but he has fared well in his six starts. You uh, So you mentioned Francis Cordero. Yeah. He was up there for two games. He DH'd in the first game, and he played sec- center field in the second game. Yeah. Um, didn't hit great. But he's out there playing. He's looking healthy. He's looking good. Um, I had a chance to talk to him after one of the games as they were walking out of the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his English is better than I expected. Very nice. Yeah, but uh, he he was looking good. So that's encouraging. I also think I saw a tweet today before I got here, and uh, he was doing BP in Amarillo. So I think he's up in Amarillo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you want to find a place where you can get these guys regular reps. If you send him down to San Diego... Then where's he going to play? Right. And he has to come off the IL. Yeah. Uh, the double Saturday, the storm won behind a newly promoted starting pitcher, Edwin Benacomo, who worked an extended and opened in the ACL before joining Fort Wayne in July. Allowed three runs over five frames in his first taste of the Cal League. The 20-year-old Venezuelan righty worked a season-high five innings and went over 80 pitches for the first time. Benacomo has struck out 48 across 44 and two-thirds innings of work. Yeah, Angela and I saw him in Fort Wayne when we were there. Okay. Uh, but it, he looked good in that game, it, the Lake Elsinore game. He got into a little bit of trouble in the first inning, and then he smoothed out after that. So that's a nice – you, you want to see these guys settle down. It, when their eyes start getting big and they start getting angry, that's when they've lost it. But well, if they can you know, keep the hands on the wheel, keep two hands on the reel and <laughs> – Get through the inning and then make your adjustments and smooth out like Bolaños did. I'm mean, that's that's what you want to see. Yeah, adjustments made in game. And a lot of these guys are just. I mean, they're just. You know, it's roster filler. Hey, let's see what he does up here. So you want that from these guys to come up and do well, even if they're not going to be there maybe next year, but they'll start and try uh, in in a lower division and come up. So it's these guys aren't in the rotation for next year, but they're just going to get a shot. Mm-hmm. All right, so for the triple, Monday, Gabriel Arias belted a two-run homer in the eighth to put an exclamation point on his best season as a pro. Arias finishes 2019 with a 302, 339, 470 slash line and a career-high 17 homers. Arias still has a little too much swing and miss to his game, and his walk rate is troubling, but he has made serious adjustments in the second half. The teenage shortstop has shaved off a third of his strikeouts and pushed his OPS up by more than 200 points since the break, thanks to an improved approach and better pitch recognition. At the start of the season, if you told me that Gabriel Arias was going to hit 300, I was gonna, I would have told you you were nuts. Right. There's no way. 
call your sponsor, Donovan. That would, yeah, that. <laughs> but it said at the end of the season, you've got Luis Campusano, um, um, Alan Cordoba, uh, uh, Gabriel Arias, and Xavier Edwards all hit over 300 yeah. for the uh, for the storm. And that's fantastic. You know, the, the Arias' glove is elite already. Oh, it is. And we, how many times do we say this? Almost every podcast is like, as long as the bat comes back, as long as the bat comes back. So it's the second half of, of a season. Is it because the adjustments that he's made are really starting to, he started to execute the adjustments that he's made? Is it, what the hell was that? <laughs> the extension cord. Uh, that just jumped. Um, <laughs> I kicked it. Yeah, okay. I'm a spaz. Or, or, or is it, you know, some of that second half guys coming up to pitch and our baby's seen him a couple times and kind of knows what to expect. You know, but I like to see it. You, you don't know what, what it is. Uh, we want him to sustain it and you almost want to say next year would be a really good year to see if I wouldn't be surprised if he's in double A. Well, when I, you see him walking around, it's easy to forget that he's still a teenager. Yeah, he's 19 because he's he's a big guy. Yeah. And he's built and he he looks, you know, he he carries himself not like a teenager. No. But then watching him in the dugout, I saw in, in Lancaster um, and in Lake Elsinore, I saw some moments where you see the frustration and there's. He's definitely a, a a passionate person. I'll say that. Where there was some some frustration, some anger coming out, and the coaches are like trying to calm him down because he had a bad at bat, or maybe he threw a ball away because he made quite a few errors this year. Did he? Yeah. And but it's it's maturation. It's learning how to have a bad play and not let it mess up the rest of your game or interfere with the next year at bat. Yeah, it's a ninety. What did, what did Yogi say? It's a it's baseball is ninety percent mental and the other half physical, or what? <laughs> Something like Something that. Something like that. And that's and that's a part of the development. Not only just learning how to play better, but and getting better at your position, but dealing with the failure. And that's the failure. Dealing with failure is like got to be ninety percent of development because if you try harder in baseball, just like in life, you just try a little harder, you're gonna do a little bit worse. Well, and we need to talk to Robert Stockton about that. Robert and Richard talk about trying harder. We will. Hey, maybe we'll have those guys on. But baseball is a game. I mean, he hit three hundred this year. He failed seven out of ten times. Yeah, and he had a fantastic season. And it's it's a hard, hard game. All right, so take us to Fort Wayne. Yeah, let's go on to Fort Wayne. A single there. Took a Peter Marcano, had four hits, including a double. Although his overall 270, 323, 338 slash line is below average, part of Marcano's issue is that he isn't making loud contact. His line drive rate is 12.6%, is the fourth lowest in the Midwest League among qualifying hitters. But his contact rate is one of the highest. Absolutely. And he's thin. And oh, yeah. He, and so there's some bulk, there's some weight that you can put on. He's thin, but he's got a frame. Yeah, the frame is there. So the double, also Friday, uh, left-handed pitcher Ryan Weathers pitched his final game of the year. He allowed 10 hits and three earned runs in five innings Friday and will finish his first pro season with a 3.84 ERA in 96 innings. After a very good April, Weathers faded a bit in the season's second half and showed some inconsistency with his fastball velocity, which is kind of being kind. Uh, Weathers should be able to handle a 120 to 130 inning workload next season. And this is what we forget. And, you know, we're on Twitter so much and we see people talking about these guys so much. First year pro ball. Yeah. First year. He was in high school last year. Right. 96 innings goes from, he goes from, what do you pitch? Maybe 30, maybe 40 innings in a high school season. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Well, and in high school, you're only pitching, you know, once once a a week. week. You're not doing bullpens on the side and all this other stuff. Right. Uh, to 96. So the loss of velocity isn't an issue. Mm-hmm. It's next year. Yep. 
when he's got full rested, probably up to his game, you know, up to his uh, post or his his um his con- conditioning. Thank you. I'm just running out yeah. of my thoughts there, which is you know frequent with me. Well, yeah, you see these guys fade, and they the lower you're you get fatigued throughout your body, yeah. and it's not just fatigue as the game goes by; it's as the season goes by, as these yeah. weeks pile up of all the work that you're doing, yeah. and the 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 short nights because you've got to get on a bus and go you know across the state to next ballpark. It's a long season. It's a grind. It's a grind, and that's an emotional grind too. And then you 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 hear people talk about giving away at bats. Like this guy doesn't give away at bats. A lot of times, hell, even when I play my stinking rec league, if I get a couple hits, my next ones, I'm just going up there going to rake. I'm just going to go up there and just give it away, mm-hmm. you know. And to have that focus, that mental focus, and emotional focus throughout the full year uh, is hard to do. And we see it in the major league level with Chris Paddock. He's his last start was great. We'll see what happens tonight. But since the All-Star break, when he's just about reached his pitch limit from last year, the production, the home runs, the ERA, everything's going up because he hasn't pitched this deep into a season. So we got to give these guys time to learn, to develop, to get stronger, and, and the process. Like 2020 for the pods might not be a year. We if we make if we make a wild card spot, yeah, we'll be we'll be hitting the expectations. But I'd be surprised if we did. It would be like, wow, we did. We'll see how that goes. And I know I'm going off another tangent on the major league. I'm team. keeping my fingers crossed. I'm 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 optimistic. I'm I'm not, but I'm just I'm a native San Diegan. I follow this team. It's so Padres. Well, I'm a native San Diegan too. But you're you're positive. I'm, yeah. Well, maybe that's why we ham and egg it so well. Well, that's true. Real quick, because you know, if you listen to the Hell's Bells podcast, like Liddy's like, she's grumpy, she's cynical. And your Angela is like, yeah, she's like, it's all positive and upbeat. And like, I think we kind of carry the same thing over on this podcast because I'm like, no, dude, like, that's it, so Padres that maybe tech- you're hanging out with your wife too much. God. She's bringing you down. You know, don't, don't tell her I said that. <laughs> so, she doesn't listen to this podcast, anyways. <laughs> so for the triple, Efren Contreras, who I can't wait to see up next year in Lake Elsinore, has one of his best starts of the season in the Tin Caps final of 2020, striking out a season high nine batters and six innings of work. The 19-year-old native of Mexico finished the season with the 121 strikeouts and 109 and two-thirds innings. In his final seven appearances of the season, dating back to July 30th, Contreras allowed just eight earned runs and 32 and two-thirds innings pitched while racking up 32 strikeouts. His six innings on Mondays matched a season-long effort. I love that he's from Mexico. He'll be in Lake Elsinore. Hell yeah. So well, are you you're saying that he's going to bring a different demographic out to the ballpark? Well, maybe his family can come up and see him. Well, we have noticed. So <laughs> Tirso Ornelas is from Mexico and he's up yeah. there and they've been playing the song that we heard in spring training. Yeah. We were out in the parking lot. Yeah. We heard Lachona come up ding, and ding, me and Angelo ding, ding. looked and we're like, oh my gosh, that's the song they were dancing to. So they've been, they've been playing that. It's, it's, it's fun. And they they do they do try to do some like some some ethnic kind of outreach kind of stuff to play to the different groups. Anyway. They do, and that's and that's kind of tough, and not to not to knock on Lego, but and that's kind of tough for the demographic that go to the games there. It's true, and I think they are. I think they embrace it, and I think uh, even the Pride Nights there, like else know they embrace that stuff. But it's a tough crowd there. It is. It's a little more conservative of a of a per, of people that live yeah. in that area. I guess you could say. Uh, but at the same time that the team reaches out and they have the, an inclusive kind of a, and they love their team. 
And that's the big thing. And they do. They they love the team. It's they the, do. It's the team. Uh, you know, we we concentrate so much on individual players that we forget like these. And here's the thing about Lake Elsinore and all the minor league teams that I've noticed. And we just got back from a four game run of minor league teams is the communities. They're not. They don't know anything more about their prospects than like that's the guy. Okay, this guy coming up. Oh yeah, you know the one guy. The one guy. They uh-huh. they know these guys on this team. They're not looking down in the lower, uh, you know, lower levels. Of what's coming up? Maybe a couple of those guys are, but uh, most of the time they just it's their team. It's their community. Their team. The Rome Braves. That's the Rome Braves at Rome, Atlanta. Rome. Sorry, Rome, Georgia. Sorry. Um, that's their team, and. Whoever comes in is just a part of that team. And it's not like, oh, he's just passing through. It's just, it's, you know, as people who follow minor league baseball, we know who's coming up a couple of years from now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm sure in those teams, the people that follow those major league teams know who's on the way up to, from Rome, you know, the short season team for Atlanta or whatever, whatever team it is. But it's, um, the community loves their team. Can I say team one more time? The community loves their team. <laughs> Go for it. Ah, so many tangents. Well, so the Lake Elsinore Storm Booster Club just had their farewell dinner with the players. Yeah. And you and Liddy were our guests for it. Thank you. And there's, I, I would like to know what you think of the the people surrounding that versus what you saw because you were asking about is there a booster club are there host families and all that and uh, you were you were getting kind of mixed question mixed answers on that and a lot of those double when well, we went to a lot of double a games so there's not so much uh the teams don't need so much support when it comes to double a because a lot of those guys are married they got kids i mean it, like bivens you know like like those guys have families uh, they've been in, in the minor leagues for a few years and none of them have booster clubs hell rome braves they had a host family program but it was like, okay, I talked to the main guy. He's like, yeah, we've just been doing it the longest. And we don't really have a, you know, like, we don't have a booster club. I'm like, you guys don't pass the hat? Like, I noticed you guys didn't pass the hat when dude struck out the side. There weren't any home runs, but like, he's like, no, what is that? Like, uh, you know, and it was just a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these teams don't have that support. And maybe they don't when they, you can afford to live in Rome, Georgia, when you can't afford to live in Lake Elsinore. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. What I found in that dinner with the people there is the host families is, A, a lot of the players just hung out with their host families. Yeah. They didn't. I mean, uh, obviously, the Latin American kids, a lot of those guys stayed in, on one table. Maybe they didn't have the families there. But um, a lot of the other players, like, they didn't sit together. They sat with their host family. Well, and some of the players have gotten their own place. Like Jason Rosario, his girlfriend came up and then they got an apartment. Okay. So they were with the host family and then they weren't anymore. Right. But you hear the host families talk about the players and the players that have moved on. And it's like, that's my boy. That's yeah. They talk about it like it's their son. Yeah. Laura, all the time on, on Instagram, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. That's my boy. I'm like, it's not, oh yeah, it is your boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because she housed him yeah. for a full summer. And they, they get to know these players. They have a relationship that continues on. And so then when you see Ronald Bolaños make his debut in Arizona, the host family from Lake Elsinore went out there to go to the game. And I guarantee you, Ronald hooked them up with a pair of tickets. Oh, yeah, absolutely. To, to go to the game and spend time with them. Now, for that game, they they were kept, they kept showing his family, though, right? His family came over from Florida. His he, family did come out from Florida. They are. The and- host family also came out from Lake Elsinore. Uh, and so I, so with that, so the family, so his family is Cuban. They have emigrated to the United States. They live somewhere in Florida, but then you've got this hurricane coming up the coast and everybody's trying to get out of Florida. Yeah. And so by the time that they found out that Ronald was going to get called up, there were no flights to be had anywhere. Yeah. 
So the traveling secretary for the Padres was able to make arrangements to bring them out. And they, they highlighted that on the, on the broadcast. So I thought that was a really cool that's gesture. Fan, that's fantastic. And I yeah. love that about our, about, about our organization. Well, you think one, it's, it's, it's a big enough deal for an American kid to make the, make his debut and for the family to be able to come up and visit. But this is somebody from a third world country. Yeah. I don't know what kind of upbringing he had. Maybe yeah. he came comes from a family with money, but regardless, he had to pretty much become a refugee to leave Cuba and become eligible to be signed as an as an American as a American ball player. Yeah. And then his family, I'm sure they had to go to some length to leave Cuba and take up residence in the United States. And it's not like that happens overnight. No, this, these are things that take months they or take sometimes months years, to years to get there. Absolutely. And so for them to be able to come and be there for his Major League debut is awesome. And he did pretty damn well. And we're going to finish this up, guys. We got Tri-Cities. We have no AZL left. But for, for the Singapore Tri-Cities, Friday the Dust Devils scored one run in the sixth, two runs in the seventh, fourth in the eighth, to come back from a four-run deficit to clinch a playoff spot. What is it with these comebacks within yes. the system? This yes. is awesome this year. Yes, uh, Matthew Acosta, including his th- hit his third homer, including Matt Acosta's third home run of the year. Where in Tri Cities, if Amarillo was like the extreme hitters park, Chris King, if you remember, he's like you have to crush, absolutely hit a cannon to get the ball out of Giza Stadium. It is not hitter friendly. Um, the twelfth runner out of the USC started quick out of the gate, but it has ho- has faded in the second half of the season. Ronaldo Ilaraza reached base three times and still is 24th of the season. Ilaraza leads the Northwest League and walks and has homered at career high six times. He's finally coming around. I'm a, I'm a big Ilaraza fan. God, we want to see him up. And, and next year, we want to see him in Fort Wayne. We want to see him finish in Lake Elsinore if that doesn't happen sooner. Um, the, the double Saturday, the Dust Devils pitching staff recorded 12 strikeouts to set a new Northwest League record. Season, season record. record. Season yeah. record, sorry. Jason Pineda had three doubles. The 19-year-old corner infielder continues to struggle to make contact. He's whipped in a third of his plate appearances for the second consecutive season. You know, he was he was the youngest guy to sign in 2017. So he was going to be a project to begin with. And that's fine, but he's starting, you know, he got a couple great hits. And the triple, Sunday and... Go ahead, say it. Sean Gilby? Yeah, Sean Gilby. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I was just said something this else. John Connors guy right here. Yes, John Boy. So John Sean, Boy. Sean Gilby drove in all three of the Tri-City runs, getting a gift single on a pop-up, and then ripping a two-run triple in the ninth inning. The 19-year-old has made loud contact when he's connected this year, with 23 of his 45 hits going for extra bases, but his K rate has stubbornly hung above 30% in his second professional campaign. And that, once again, he's 19 in the appropriate level. Mm-hmm. That's right out of high school. They're right out of, not even right out of college. That's right out of high school. Yep. And he's been with us this is his second full, yeah, this is his second full season. Yep. So we we see these guys at 19 and we expect them to be so much more than than they are. And it takes well, so long for them. Not them. everybody's all, Fernando Tatis Jr. We've been spoiled. Right. Totally spoiled. And it screwed up our whole mindset because we want everyone to come up at 20 years old when most of major leaguers are 23, 24. Hell, a lot of them don't get up there until 25, 26. Um, before I forget, I want to say that we are now on iHeartRadio. So if you're tired hey. of if you're tired of getting us on the iTunes app, if you're tired of hearing about us on Google Play or Stitcher or SoundCloud, you can just go to your iHeart app. And if you already have it there, Spotify, we're also on. 
You can reach us on all those platforms. Wow. Just, just, uh, just put in Friars on the Farm. I actually had to have it changed because when I went for the application, um, it said something, and I thought it was just like, who does the podcast? And I'm like, that's a podcast by Roy and Donovan. So when it came out, I'm like, it says Friars on the Farm, has our logo, a podcast by Roy and Donovan. I'm like, no, can we change that to a, a <laughs> podcast that covers all levels of the Padres minor league system? <laughs> On a Sunday, and on- they changed it. Oh, nice. On a Sunday. All right. I was super stoked that iHeartRadio have people working hard on their- uh, Well, they probably farm it out to a, you know to India or Bangalore or something where they're working 24 hours a day for 25 cents an hour. Oh, you just ruined it, dude. <laughs> I just had to get political. Sorry. Uh- <laughs> uh, okay. But anyway, if so whatever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a review or give us a rating or whatever- or, Hit us up on Twitter and tell us what you like and what you don't like. And if you want us to talk about different stuff or Absolutely. whatever, we want to hear your feedback. It is now the off season. We have one more podcast of probably of, of, of affiliate ball play. Mm-hmm. And then we go into the AFL. Then we go into the Australian League. They're starting to really starting to wind up. Um, I'm, interested, I'm interested to see who goes to the Australian League. You know, how camping those guys do in the Arizona Fall League. You know, I had a lot of fun talking about the Dominican League and the, uh, the all of that stuff last year. I think we're going to have a lot of those guys play, you know, that didn't have so much playing time this year, go play in the, in the Dominican League. Well, these guys have a chance to make some serious money. You know, the guys that are making $1,000 a month have a chance to go to Dominican and make five grand a month sometimes, yeah. depending on who it is. Right. Somebody like Gabriel Arias that has, you know, has some some draw, he can make some money. Yeah, absolutely. Um so it's going to be interesting. We're going to have lots more content. We're going to be doing, I'm going to reach out to a bunch of people and see if we can't get some interviews. It'd be super nice if the Padres would answer one of my emails. We love you guys. Uh, and I can talk to someone, you know, like a Chris Camp. Or, oh, it'll come. They're, they've been so busy. It's, yeah. it's a crazy busy year. So we've tried to, we've tried to match up with, um, with uh, it wasn't Mark Connor, with Sam Gini. Sam Gini. And our, our schedules weren't quite able to line up. But uh, we just got to hit that sweet spot where it all comes together. And then we have the prospect game at the end of September. Oh, that's right. So I'm going to be reaching out to the Padres soon and see if we can't maybe you know be able to talk to some guys there. We should set up a table in the concourse and just live podcast while the game's going on. Right, right. <laughs> we could do that. I could do that with them. We can do that with us here. We got the winter meetings too, and the winter meetings coming up in the in the off season. Yeah. Tons of the weird people in the hotel lobby just talking. Oh, hey, there's Tim Kirkjian walking by. Right. Hey, you want to talk to us? <laughs> Who are you? No, no. Are <laughs> uh, you'll just hear like a faint? Uh, what is it? The Doppler effect. Hello. Yeah, the echo in the back. Hey, we got to leave me alone, stalker. Right, right. Anyway, it's been fun talking this hour, but I think we got to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. And I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Go Padres. Go Padres.